Well, hello, Hillcrest. Welcome. If you're uh, here in person, welcome. If you're watching online, we're delighted to have you uh, participate in our worship today. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk. I'm the interim uh, lead pastor here. And uh, this morning, I, I have a confession to make. When I went to my closet, um, I wanted to reach and kept reaching for uh, blue and lime green. And I, I just couldn't do it. So I, I'm identifying with the culture in which I live. Uh, Kansas City, uh, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas, by wearing the colors that we, uh, we, we've seen for the last uh, month around town. And, uh, and uh, yes, so I just want you to know my struggle. That was, that was my struggle today. We're, we're in a sermon series that I have called The New Normal, Following Jesus in a Time of Transition. And I would like to read for you a passage of scripture uh, from 2 Corinthians 4, chapters, excuse me, verses 7 through 12. 2 Corinthians, not 1st, but 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Stuck, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that in his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us but life is at work in you. Last week, Pastor Dory uh, suggested that another reality and the new normal that we have to deal with is suffering. Uh, she said that we can't escape it, we can't avoid it, we can't live uh, a suffering-free life as much as our culture would like us to believe that. Yet on the other side of suffering is the opposite, which is hope. And even though we may experience suffering from time to time, there is hope that we can hold on uh, to uh, in the midst of our own suffering. And more importantly still, I heard uh, Dory say, we can offer hope to those who suffer around us. So today I want to continue with our theme of discipleship in the new normal by presenting you with uh, another polarity that we will likely confront in this time of transition. And in this new normal, we live between the polarity of brokenness on the one hand and healing on the other. This past week I had a procedure called a coronary calcium scan. Never had it before. I uh, guess I never needed to before. I think it's a function of my age, actually, that I had this. And by, apparently by taking a picture of my heart, there's a way to determine the level of calcium in my arteries, which apparently is an indicator of whether or not I may have heart problems later on in my life. And when my doctor knows this measurement of calcium, then she is better able to provide me with a course of treatment that will presumably extend the quality of my life for many, many years. 
And, and leading up to this procedure, because I hadn't had this done before, uh, I, I became somewhat sort of circumspect about my own health and kind of about my life, because you think, wow, uh, I, I must be getting old or something. And I, I'm at this age where I'm, I'm fully aware that I cannot do the same things I did without thinking about it 20 years ago. I'm not able to do some of those things. I am cognizant of my own brokenness. And in this case, my physical brokenness, right? And at the same time, I, I, I desire to, to live into a, a healthy and normal life for somebody my age. That, that, that would be true for all of us, probably. And I, I recognize that I may not be able to get to the healthy end of the continuum entirely because, our, you know, as we age, our bodies break down, and that's just what happens. And so I need to come to terms with the broken parts of my life, and then uh, I need to trust the medical professionals who can advise me and, and help me, you know, chart out a direction for my life that will be good for me. And it, as it turns out, there is a moderate indicator that, my, that I have a calcium buildup, so my doctor has advised me to eat a heart-healthy diet. And some of you know exactly what that is, and others of you are going, huh, I wonder what that is. Um, and, and from what I can tell, a heart-healthy diet, as long as it doesn't taste good, it's healthy. I think, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, out goes my late night bowl of French vanilla ice cream slathered in chocolate sauce. It's gone. Out goes eating an entire bag of salt and vinegar chips while I'm watching television. Well, you, you get the point. And, and, and here's, here's the larger point that I'm trying to make today. All of us at one level are broken. And, and the sooner that we admit it, the sooner that we can do something about it. So uh, in this passage that I just read from 2 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul is also talking about our brokenness, and, and he is suggesting that, um, that we are like clay pots. And the interesting thing that I think that he says in this passage right out of the chute is that it's not about the pot it's about the contents of the pot, right? It's not about the pot, it's about the contents. In the scripture uh, that I just read, Paul's wrestling with this paradox between brokenness on the one hand and health on the other, and he describes the, the human condition like a clay pot. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay in order to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. A clay uh, jar or a clay pot in the first century was, was a pretty typical vessel that was used for many things. They were, they were used to hold water or wine. They, they were used to store dry goods, and clay pots were, were kind of the primary vessel that they used to transport stuff from one place to another. Uh, it's kind of like the ancient version of Tupperware. That's, that's what a clay pot was to them. And, and there was an abundance of clay pots, and, and it's likely that they were broken during the course of their normal use, because that's what happens to stuff, right? And, and clay pots were relatively inexpensive, so that if a clay pot got a crack in it, and it's lost its, its usefulness to hold liquids, then maybe they would uh, still use it, but they would hold solids in it. And when the crack became so large that it lost its usefulness even for solids, then that would be the point that they would discard the, the pot on the, on the garbage heap. 
So Paul says this. Paul says, we have this treasure in clay pots. We have something of enormous value being held in a vessel with lesser value. And when he says this, I think he's pointing to the reality that the content of the pot is more important than the pot itself. Let me say that again, just in case you missed it. The content of the pot is more important than the pot itself. The valuable aspect of a pot is what's inside. The treasure that we hold is in this very fragile and often broken or breaking vessel. In a similar way, Paul, I think, is suggesting that just like clay pots, our value, our value as people, as individuals, as human beings, is not measured by the value of the container, but but by the contents which Paul calls the surpassing power of God. In other words, it's the living presence of God in us that makes us ultimately valuable. And and God doesn't decide whether or not to to dwell in us on the basis of how pretty our pot is on the outside. Now, for many of us, that should give you a great relief. I have known many people over the course of my life whose treasure is more evident the more broken they are. And so have you. And conversely, I have known people who have a pretty attractive vessel and the treasure of God's presence isn't visible or evident at all. This is remarkable when you think about it. Because how much time do we spend working on the outside of our pot? We scrub We apply substances to cover the blemishes. We spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to cover the vessel in order to feel good and to disguise our brokenness, right? We do this. I don't think Paul is suggesting that we should practice, uh, we should stop practicing good hygiene. I'm not suggesting that. Or, Or wear clothing that makes us feel good. But I do think there's a beauty to which Paul is pointing that exceeds Estee Lauder, exceeds uh, Levi jeans or, or North Face fleece. To emphasize the brokenness that all of us deal with, Paul continues in this passage by saying, we are all hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Doesn't this sound like a pretty good description for this past year? It does to me. Pressed but not crushed. Perplexed but not to the point of despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. In other words, we are experiencing the reality of our own brokenness. And it's the faithfulness of God who ensures we still have the resources to reveal the very presence of God in our lives. There's a sense in which the beauty of God can only be revealed in our brokenness. 
There's this, there's this ancient Japanese art form called kintsugi, where when a beautiful piece of pottery is broken, rather, rather than simply throw the object away, the artist takes the broken pieces and glues them together using gold plate and then creates a more beautiful and stronger vessel than was there to begin with. And, and, and this is what the finished uh, kintsugi vessel looks like. It's, it's on the screen behind me. You see, the idea that in a throwaway culture, a broken vessel can still be useful is absurd. Yet, that's what Paul is suggesting, and that is exactly what God wants to do with each of us. God wants beauty to be revealed through all of the cracks and all of the blemishes and all of the failures if you follow Paul's uh, train of thought, he, he immediately expands this paradox uh, between living with brokenness and ultimately finding our, our healing in, in God. As he continues at verse 10, he says this, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. In our brokenness, Jesus' death is revealed, and through our brokenness, Jesus' life is made visible to the world. Just, Just think about that for a second. You see, it isn't until we come to terms with our death that we can fully understand what it means to be alive. It isn't until we have embraced the broken parts of our life that we can begin to live into the life that Jesus offers us in our dying bodies. Paul uses the term mortal, but that's, that's the same thing, right? Mortality is about dying in some way, shape, or form. And this is the mystery of the gospel. And the reality of the new normal is that in our brokenness, God offers us life in Christ. And during this this broken time, Christ's life becomes visible through the cracks and the imperfections and, and in the evidence of death that is all around us and that all of us possess. So so here is the choice that each of us have, whether you're sitting at home or whether you're sitting here in in the sanctuary. We can continue to live in denial about the fact that we are broken people. We can continue to primp and pursue whatever means is available to us to make it look otherwise, when in reality, all of us are just plain old cracked pots. Or we can embrace our brokenness, and our eventual death as the means through which God's eternal beauty and presence is made visible in us even now. When I arrived here in Kansas City almost a year ago, in a couple of weeks I will have been here a year this, to this place called Hillcrest Covenant Church, um, uh, this church is pretty banged up. 
The pain and the brokenness of your circumstances were evident to me and I suspect uh, to anyone else who looked closely at us. And then a couple weeks later, COVID showed up and I don't need to rehearse for you the additional strain and brokenness that 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 presented to us. And then uh, a month or two later, our, our culture went through a moment of honest assessment around the issue of racial reconciliation. And as we attempted here at Hillcrest to sort of navigate through that period of time by listening with love and learning, it became obvious that this issue was another scar that we had to deal with whether we, whether we liked it or not. And now here we are. Just as it is difficult for me to deny what the CAT scan says about my mortality, none of us can deny our brokenness. And yet it is our broken vessel. It is our broken vessel that God desires to make something more beautiful than we could ever, ever imagine. So the next time you are tempted to pretend that there's nothing wrong with your cracked pot, I encourage you to look in the mirror and, and, and maybe be honest for once and, and, and pray a prayer to God that says something like, God, I, I am broken and I want, I want your presence to be that which people around me see most clearly in my brokenness. What, what would happen if many of us who are participating in this service and hearing what I just said, what would happen if that was the approach we took to our brokenness? I think there would be a lot of broken people who don't know where to turn to deal with their brokenness who would see us and who would come running to this place and say, I, I don't know what it is that I see in you, but I can see that you're a pretty ordinary broken person, but I see something else. The next time you are, you are tempted to pretend that you are not broken, just ponder what God could do in you and through you if for a brief moment you let your brokenness be the place that God could be revealed. Uh, friends, this is the new normal that we get to live in. A normal that God invites us to live into, where instead of uh, primping and posturing and pretending, the three Ps, we, we can... Uh, we can let the, the visible beauty and presence of God be revealed in us as we are. I hope that, that uh, you give some thought to this notion, and um, even if you can't uh, become completely transparent about your brokenness, because I know sometimes that's really hard to do, 
I, I hope and I pray that this week that you'll be able to relax a little bit in knowing that it might be at those places where you might look a little dumb, you might say something stupid, you might have uh, uh, physical uh, uh, blemishes or you may have psychological or emotional uh, blemishes, but nevertheless, that even in those places, God wants to be visible in you. Let's pray together. There's some, God, that I know are, are participating in this service, either in, uh, present in this building today or who are watching us online, for whom this is their struggle. Their, their struggle is that they spend most of their life um, trying to hide their brokenness. And my prayer for, for us and for them is that in this time, at this place, you would enable us to release um, our, our desire to hide those things so that your power and your presence may be evident in us. This is not an easy thing, God, I know. It's not an easy thing. It's not easy for me to recognize my mortality, to, to admit to my own brokenness. Yet it's something that, uh, that you want for us to do so that your power and presence can be seen in us. Thank you, O oh God, for the work that you are doing in us, even as we uh, slowly release back to you those things that we're ashamed of, those things that we wish we didn't have to uh, look at in the mirror on a daily basis, those things that, uh, that we try to hide from those around us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.